Um, Palo Alto Networks have spoken to me for, 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 for a decade about being proactive and taking that attached opportunity to the installed base, all right? Um, is that uh, well received? It's very well received. And it's interesting. It's it's almost when I think about something that if you if you discuss it with me, like, oh, this is something, you know, dynamic and proactive you guys are doing as a company. It's so part of our culture right now. It doesn't even feel fresh. It's just it's part of our operating procedure is when we go out, we put in these proactive quotes and solicitations. Yep. So it's not rude from a sense because what it does is it drives conversation every time. And whenever you have a conversation, you're able to listen about the direction and learn more and drive success. So how many times does that one quote delivered to you in, lead to an instant order? It's a smaller percentage. How many times does that drive more conversation that may lead to a different area that's expanding the scope? Many times. And that's why we continue to do it because every time we are able to drive a conversation by doing this. So it's part of our lifeblood and what we do here on a day-by-day -day basis. Yeah, uh, Scott, I mean, you know, that must be music to your ears because what Absolutely. Is, is unsolicited proposals yep. to take with a big brain and present something and this is how much it's going to cost you. And yep. this is relevant. It's for me, for me, it's creating the ult ultimate and for a vendor, uh, giving your channel the ability to add massive value by creating that unsolicited proposal because you're going in there and you're consulting. You're actually consulting, but you're also at the same time talking about what this is going to cost you, which uh, also grabs budget, grabs uh, and allows you know allows the end customer to uh, finance forward and understand what they're doing. I love it. I mean, you guys are on fire today. Well done. <laughs> My brain's going everywhere. I'm going to um, uh, park back into customer success, and uh, it is uh, it's pioneering. It's a it's it's kind of a relatively new phenomenon, all right, in the IT world. And basically what it means is making sure that whatever that customer bought, they need to buy a few other things to make it even make themselves even more successful. And they call it customer success and it's new. And I have a laugh about it because I always think, when was it ever not about customer success? Now, in thinking about it a lot, um, it's new because this whole customer success thing is a marathon, it's not a sprint. And in order to be able to achieve it properly, um, you have to create trusted relationships, meaning I've gone in and I actually have given you value and I can prove that I've given you value. A lot of the stuff you guys were talking about before, um, because from a customer success point of view, it seems to be the Wild West because everyone's starting to talk about it and say they can do it but can't. And, you know, it's it's the wrong side of the chasm. And as we move on to the other side of the chasm, it, it, it'll become, you know, accepted and defined. Carl, how do you guys define customer success and how are you helping uh, through through your channel programs, particularly First Wave, how you're helping your distributors and partners achieve customer success legitimately? Yeah, I think, you know, when you use the word pioneering, it's, it's stuck with me because it is early days. And I think as an industry, if we have conversations, there's still conversation of where customer success should sit. Should it sit with the manufacturer? Should it sit with distribution? should sit with a partner themselves who has the ability to scale and, and truly manage it successfully. And I don't know if there's a right answer because I think it depends on the customer, the environment, the partner themselves, who's ready. So that's the pioneering aspect that's evolving. You know, what we're trying to track from that, it's, it's truly less about the next sale 
And I know that may sound ingenuine coming from a sales leader, but it's not about the next sale, but it's about the utilization of the technology that they acquire. Because I can tell you that, you know, even using our, our traditional next-gen firewall, if they buy four subscriptions along with that, so many times we go into the customer three, six months later, firewall's plugged in, it's running, but they're using it like a staple firewall. They're not leveraging any of the subscriptions or any of the advanced technologies that come along with it. So even from a hardware standpoint, it's about utilization because we believe as an innovator that if you're not taking advantage of the innovation, you're doing yourself a disservice and you're exposing yourself to future harm. So when we think about it from a next wave program standpoint, and we think about customer success, it truly is how do we allow and work with the partner to drive and inspect the utilization. And that comes from us, by the way, a lot of times. Like we have the reporting mechanism to go back to the partner saying, red light, green light, is it on? Is it working? How, how is it driving? Now, something that I have not done that I'm going to do in the short term is drive their compensation tied to that, meaning increased compensation. If you drive the increased compensation and maybe it's on, it could be a stair-step model, it's 50%, it's 70%, it's 90% getting paid at different levels. Maybe it's based on timeframes of utilization. I think there's a lot of flexibility for us there, but our partners have an appetite because the successful ones take pride in the customer success model that they have, and they want to lean in more. And, and candidly, it's just a, I'm not speaking out of school by saying this, but the more successful customer success is in our partner environment, the less Palo Alto Networks needs to build out internally. So there's a win-win there for both parties. So yeah, yeah. pioneering, it's early, but there's no more fun conversation than we're having right now with our partners and what we can do. And I think the challenge I have to all the partners who are listening is to be candid with where you're at in today's world and how you're looking to invest. Because I think we've made the misstep of listening to some, seeing some amazing slides, but then we look underneath the curtains and there's nothing really there. Just be candid and let's work through it together. And if it's a stair-step model you're building out, let's do that together and we can help. And that's the fun part. Uh, Carl, I love that. And uh, the reason why I love that is because, Scott, as you know, we get asked a lot to build in metrics for compensation around uh, customer success because um, <laughs> the rubber's got to stop hitting the sky and it's got to start hitting the road and the road has to be in the pocket of the person who's trying to achieve customer success for their customer. Um, and you built it in because of what Carl's saying, more and more people wanting it, more and more people wanting to be able to measure, you know, utilize, you know, they bought this. And for us, Carl, it's, um, okay, I've bought this, may have bought that, but I haven't switched it on yeah. as well. All right. So you're capable of doing all this. All you need to do is attach to switch it on by changing your contract or, you know, changing your subscription or doing that and being able to sell on top of that as well. Not just you've already bought it, you're not using it but you've already bought it and you could be using more, that conversation. I think the other thing, Nick, to take into consideration too, is just the reality of business today, the employee turnover at end users is an all time high because the market's so desperate for cybersecurity talent. Yeah. So many times the team that bought the technology is not the team three months later that's deploying it. So how do you make sure you have that continuity and that customer success is kind of that heartbeat to go throughout the process. And so we as the team, the partner, the manufacturer, the services side of it, we need to be accountable for that and support the customer through that 
challenges that they're facing. Scott, how are you presenting customer success to uh, to your customers? Uh, well, look, as you've seen on LinkedIn of recent, every time I see a customer success kind of hashtag thrown out there, I'm always reminding these US vendors that if you don't have partner success, you're never going to get customer success. You might get it in North America because they're, um, you know, feeder on the street there. But in a global context, you need to enable the partners to do this. Now, one of the ways we automate that process is connecting to dial home systems. So to Carl's point, if if the dial home system tells the partner to go and have a conversation about the, you know, red light, green light, you know, this is not on, that's not on, et cetera, that's where you start to see proper customer success in a channel-led organization rather than a lot of US vendors are uh, organizations that have channels. They just have them there because they have to, they can't scale any other way. But a true channel-led organization is looking at how to make the partner a winner, not simply, as a lot of them do, just throw uh, um, higher levels of work and put portals in front of them and do all that sort of stuff where it just takes time for the, um, the from the operations at the vendor to the operations at the partner. So you've got to enable them to make them more efficient, more successful, um, wrap your arms around their success truly. And, and there's some big vendors that talk about partner success, but it's only lip service. Or they talk about partner profitability. They don't care. They, it's just words out of marketing. You've got to actually enable them properly to do the job for your customer and that's where the winners really start to excel as opposed to just a, a, a channel in front of a vendor okay so so hey you two if if we, if we talk about customer success and i'm thinking about some of the challenges that i've uh, encountered and that is um how do you how do you execute on customer success when the budget was Locked at the end customer, the budget was locked in a year ago and there's no discretionary spend. Who wants to take that one first? Oh, well, I, my first back to my original point, which is are all the features turned on? You know, to Carl's point about adoption, if you don't have adoption, you certainly won't have expand opportunities, but you may not even have a renewal opportunity because if they're not using it, why would you yeah. bother renewing? That's just the reality of nature. Any initial sale, you've got to start the customer success day one not just park it and wait to your point 11 months down the track and then go and have another conversation. This is an ongoing and, and, you know, cloud consumption practices have brought this really to the fore, but you've got to start that success piece day one, not day, you know, 300. So uh, every good manufacturer has tools and resources for partners to leverage. So at Palo Alto Networks, we have best practice assessments and sales lifecycle reviews. So the partner is able to go in and have that dialogue. So we run, your point is spot on, Nick. Nine times out of 10, the budget for professional services is the first thing to be cut. But when you go in and you have that follow-up conversation, you show that they're not leveraging the, the technology the way it needs to, or how they could enhance their security posture, they always find it. There's ways yeah. to find it. It's just helping that education pathway. And yeah. that's where we believe, you know, it's part of our responsibility and ownership as the manufacturer to help the partners know what conversations to have there. Right. Yeah, that's fantastic. That, that's fantastic. And, and to your point, to your point, Carl, budget is always found. An example, only a month ago, I had contact for a product that we consume in our ISET business. 
that I had a contact from someone I haven't dealt with. Actually, it was out of the channel that I'd, you know, purchased that product through or my IT guys had, and they were calling me. So I rang the manufacturer and said, how did these guys get my details? Never dealt with them, didn't come through the channel, all that sort of stuff. I said, I know it's not a big issue because I'm an IT guy and I understand what's going on, but privacy is not an issue until it is an issue. And when it is an issue, it's massive. It's the same with security, right? When everything's running along normally, no, we don't have any more budget. Well, how much would the cost be if the penetration happens? And that's really where the budget instantly appears. Okay. I've, I've, the last thing that I want to uh, talk about, and, and thanks, guys. You, this has been awesome. I know we're going to get a lot of, uh, lot of, lot of uh, all, all my viewers are going to get a lot of value out of this. You guys have been amazing. So I want to uh, talk about the last thing, and it is about ecosystems um, because uh, it, it's my new word for channels. Um, but I, I, from an ecosystem point of view, I call it the influencer channel. It's no longer the transaction channel. All right, it's not a transaction based, it's an influencer channel. And you know, I want to explore that. I want to wrap around that, uh, but I want to do it, uh, give it, give it some, give it some structure, otherwise we could go go around forever. How are you guys seeing ecosystems work in two ways? Number one, to be able to successfully secure, execute on what you guys are talking about, which is installed by selling, but also uh, in, uh, in, in a framework that says there is a move uh, into the hybrid cloud. Uh, and for technology consumption. In other words, you know, how are you guys working to achieve holistic ecosystems to deliver customer success because no technology lives in isolation, no channel partner lives in isolation, no vendor lives in isolation, and now no customer lives in isolation. Mm -hmm. So I know it's a big statement that I've been making, but play with it. Let's play with it. All right, I'll, I'll start. So when you mentioned the term influencer channel, what we at Palo Alto Networks think about quite a bit and where we see it the most is within the global system integrators. And so why are they influencers versus reselling in a traditional capacity? Because they care about the services. It's the service dollars where they yeah. believe they add the most value. Love it. So the transaction is a lot less important to them than the overall wrapper of the services wrapper of what that looks like and how it fits within the stack of that global system integrator. So, you know, it's interesting. We have seen that segment of the ecosystem, that route to market of ecosystem explode over the last 12 to 18 months. And I think the rationale is, is a couple fold. I think one, the larger you go into the global 2000s, the more complex the environment, they one, have the relationships and two, have the capabilities to do and deliver a, a high value. But the message I bring to our overall ecosystem is there's so much opportunity for all of us. Don't get wrapped up about an integrator versus a service provider versus a managed service versus resale. There, you know, if you think about starting at the end user, the need is to have flexibility and they are going to have the same customer could buy through every one of those routes to market and as it expands. So that's the message I want to deliver to a lot of the partners that are out there is, don't feel as though you need to reinvent yourself to be something you're not, but be very good at what you do and what you can deliver. And it doesn't mean think of, don't think of the future and where you want your company to go, but don't try to, to, to be a horse if you're a cow. Just play in your market and be the best. Be the best cow. Yeah. And, and, and so, so just, for my, just for my sake, uh, how has NextWave been modified to achieve all that? Yeah, so... Um, the biggest way that we've modified NextWave 
is the one consistency that we have across all the different routes to market is that there is a services component that's needed there. And again, when I look at, I use the term life cycle management, when I talk about the services, the GSIs, may, they, they are stellar at that pre-sales consulting side. Where do, what does it look like? How do we build out the templates? What is that? What is your environment going to look like in the future? You know, we, the service providers are excellent at the implementation piece and the management piece of it. They're doing really well. You know, everyone has a different role they can play and some cross-pollinate across there. But we've really focused on making sure that we have the tools and resources to allow them to be successful at providing these services. I mean, Nick and Scott, you guys have been around for a long time. How many times have partners, how long have partners or manufacturers said, hey, go sell service is a great opportunity. But then we wave goodbye and the cruise ship yeah. pulls up <laughs> and we don't help you. So now we're looking at saying, what yeah. is the exact playbook? What's the blueprint? I want to hand you all of the assets that you need. All you need to do is, is snap it into your system to be successful. So I, I've over-invested in the amount of resources and capital to build the services component for all different aspects. So there's a, there's a horizontal viewpoint across all the different route to market segments that are there. So I think that's one. The second one is a big passion of mine this fiscal year, and I'm calling it frictionless selling, but how am I taking the complexity out? So as, as companies get larger historically, naturally what happens is we become more complex to deal with. So I'm actually hiring a team that does nothing but audit how difficult are we to work with and how can we break down some of those barriers to bring simplicity? Because if I have a great addressable market with innovation, I'm simple to work with and I can wrap services around it, that's a partner who's gonna win every day of the week. So that's how we're trying to evolve the ecosystem from a program standpoint, specifically, Nick, you asked me. Okay, so that's perfect because from what I what I take, and Scott, I'm going to bring you in in a second on this because it's really important, is um, not only are you creating the technical opportunity, the technology opportunity, um, but you're also creating the ability to execute now, particularly on service revenue, given that it's such a high um, attach and subscription world and also a move to hybrid cloud world. You're giving them the ability to execute. Yeah, it's full playbook. We are giving them the process to follow. And Okay. And, okay. It's in, and what the one proof point I have here, Nick, is that you know, we have 8,000 partners globally, 800 of them this last fiscal year have doubled their business. 400 of those 800 have now doubled their business two years in a row. And the natural instinct is, oh, well, it must be your smallest partners then. These are some of our largest partners around the globe, but they're the ones that are executing to this playbook that they're really yeah. starting to show growth. And that's yeah. just on Palo Alto numbers, not the service attached or pull through that they're getting along with it. Mm. So inspiring to see that. And there's a lot of motivational war stories that we see around the globe from partners that have all of a sudden changed their trajectory and leaned in and we're seeing those results. Yeah, Scott, the reason why I think that's really interesting is because from your point of view, um, you built the ability to execute and then you had to build the strategy. So you yeah. can have a strategy to execute on that strategy because technology company first, then IT vendor next or whatever. Um, Talk to me about your experience or life experience in working with a influencer channel to modify, because some, some of the greatest uh, executors of the iasset.com platform don't sell a thing. So um, it's an interesting point. And just uh, literally in sprints at the moment, we are dealing with a manufacturer who wants to track the influencer on a deal. So we're adding fields so that you can add another relationship 
to that particular uh, opportunity or you know quote process all the way through the channel. So um, you know we're trying to so everyone wants to put their arms around the influencers. We're trying to actually operationalize that through the channel so that the US vendor can see which partner actually dragged them in. They may still get services out of it, but really who was involved in that particular opportunity. And it becomes even more apparent when you've got partnerships between US vendors who want to try and build something together, but then track the whole sale, not just the component pieces, so they know which partners are actually successful at these particular um, hybrid uh, components. To Carl's other point about frictionless selling, we literally a month ago completed um, a project which is the automation version of your team, Carl, which is we put in, we all, we've always, always had feedback on every single one of our screens for every single customer on the planet, including the portalized versions where you do portals. But we just added a whole section to feedback to the vendor how they're going in that quote process, opportunity process, what they like, what they don't like. And the vendor has the ability to modify the questions to suit and then push the resellers to actually feedback how easy that sale is being made, what challenges they face if they don't like something, even down to the way the configuration comes together, is there things they could do better? So what they're trying to do is build a perpetual feedback funnel inside the channel partner ecosystem. And those two operational things, I don't believe have been done ever before. And it's only because we can sit at all of the different parts of the channel uh, that we can actually address those issues. Yeah, okay. and that's amazing. And it changes constantly. And, and the one thing I'll, if I, Nick, if I don't mind, going back to your original please, point please. about the influencer channel and tracking it, I think one of the things all of us as manufacturers have to do is, is relax a little bit on where the, the value of the influencer and who discovered the deal. Because what we're trying to do is give credit to one yeah, party. Absolutely. But the reality is there could be multiple parties, two and sometimes three parties that are all adding value. And they all have actually a carve out of the profitability. So it's not even a profit question. We're trying to, to annoy a winner. We want to have first place, second place, third place. The reality is who cares? Yep. Customer outcome is what matters. And if we can drive a really successful customer outcome, I think that's what's important. And I think a lot of time, especially U.S. manufacturers, we have a hard time not you know, giving gold, silver and bronze in the Olympics of, of, of cybersecurity. That's because so, everyone's a winner, Carl. <laughs> Everyone's a winner. That's right. Everyone's a winner. Sorry, don't go there. I I want to deliver finally um, uh, some more immense value to my to my uh, viewers, and you guys have been awesome. We're probably going to do this in part one, two, and three. It's just been so good. We've gone a bit longer, and thank you guys for for giving me that time. I'm going to ask you this. Don't, please don't mention any names, but. Uh, when uh, what we've been talking about is achieving customer success outcomes via an influencer channel. Give me an, a real example without mentioning names of who you're, someone that you're seeing that's executing exceptionally well there so others can look and, and learn from. So you want me to give an example of someone who's executing well without giving names? Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Well, I'm going to make it easy for Carl while he thinks about his response that doesn't name any names. I'm, I'm, I'm a social for me, yeah, for, for me, the, the, the traditional big four or big six, whichever one you want to call, are involved in more influencing in the larger deals that are going on without actually transacting 
componentry into those deals. So that's just from what I've seen across, you know, our customer base and our prospect base. So um, hopefully that's given Carl some more time to think about the name he's not going to mention. <laughs> no, it was, I was just making, I was poking fun at Nick a little bit. No, it, I, I'm aligned with you. I mean, the big six have led the way around influencers. They're the first ones who have actually said, it's less about the transaction and more about the outcome of the customer and how we drive the customer outcome. And I think there, we, you know, if you look beyond that and you think about, you know, a bullseye with outer rings, the outer rings are all now starting to quickly follow. So we're starting to see whether it be smaller integrators on a global basis or folks that are just services only companies that are getting involved. We're dealing more with services only companies today than we ever have before. And that's where we're really trying to, um, evolve our next wave program to, to allow to really partner with them well. I think the other thing to think about too, when we think about influence is what a successful technology alliance partnership could look like, because those are influence deals as well, right? Yeah. These are, these are alignments, it's integration. It could be meet at the street, but I think the opportunity there is tremendous. I think the opportunity when we talked about IOT and OT for OEMing, it's the software and technology and, and sitting on the devices themselves. That's a great influence model as well that I think is going to be the next step down the road that we can all have fun exploring. Yeah, that, that's a great way to end. Um, I couldn't have scripted that last bit, Carl, better. Uh, thank you so much. That that was awesome value. And Scotty, for bringing up the big six, because you know what I think about that. And yeah, absolutely. Anyone who's seen any other uh, channel talks will know you know what that is. If you want to know more about it, go have a look at some of the uh, discussions that I've had with some of the other uh, global experts. Uh, thanks, guys. Thank you so much, uh, Carl. I would love to have you back uh, again one day if you if you yes. if you'll give me that privilege. Um, everyone, I hope you got a hell of a lot of uh, uh, value out of that. I know I did, and uh, we're going to get a lot of um, response back on that. Uh, enjoy. Uh, please, please, please be safe. Uh, stay sane. And um, just keep going, guys. Thank you very much. Really appreciate Thank it. Thank you, everybody. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you.